0: extra special very hopefully not
1: too long episode of normandy fm uh i am got it right your... at the very beginning it's not gonna be a long episode
0: it's not gonna be we promise look okay maybe look look we fucked up a bit all right we fucked up a little bit
1: not a lot just a
0: little bit um turns out that pittsburgh is a bit longer than we expected uh I, al- as always, I'm one of your co-hosts here, Eric Van Allen. It's like Kenneth Shepard, who is responsible for this scheduling. Fuck up. Please direct all angry It's not a fuck up. It's him. just
1: like, <laughs> the the section that is like thematically coherent to have in one episode, it's twice as long as anything we've done so far.
0: Yeah. And probably, I, I'm going to assume, again, you know, like, you are the expert here, but I'm assuming this is probably the longest section of game that we will play for any of these sections. That That is accurate, for sure. Yeah. Yeah joining us on this adventure today is one alan Wen. alan how you doing
2: i'm good it's it's I'm, I'm doing all right it's been a pretty nice weekend nice and sunny one even though i just stayed indoors the entire time but it's how it is
0: <laughs> i mean we've all been staying indoors you know we're working on our, our vaccines uh we already had some vaccine talk prior to this podcast because it feels like that's all anyone talks about these days is obviously it's, it's front of mind. You know, we're getting our vaccines, we're getting vaccinated, we're moving forward. It's exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to my left arm just becoming super. But we get superpowers out of this, right? That's how this works. Is we That's went through a really, me. yeah, really shitty year, but now we get superpowers, right?
2: If only. Right. <laughs> I still got <gonna> to wait. <laughs> well, uh, super sleep is probably what you'll get <laughs> afterwards
0: i i heard that so a friend of the show imran khan got his shot and apparently slept for 15 hours afterwards like that i could use that i'm down for that Well
2: i lie i couldn't really sleep properly because i ended up getting like a stomach bug so that kept me awake <laughs>
0: Ooh. so see that I, yeah. I don't want that that's that's the bad kind of no sleep you yeah. know
2: and uh you might have a bit of a, like fever chills something like that i don't know it's really uh oh
0: this is exciting it's, it's
2: really it's really, it varies from people and um, person to person i think
0: see this is my punishment so way way back when uh and ken will remember this we went to pax east and uh the entire group that went to go get hot pot that night i felt got sick at some point after the show or like came back sick from pax east Um, I know everyone at my table did Uh, We had to split up into two tables Wait, so your table was completely fine? I mean, for the most part Wow, wow, okay I should have gone with that table
1: Yeah, you know, that's what happened when you ditched me (laughs) what we needed to
0: split up into two tables and no one was being a decision somebody's got to be decisive all right that's what the last of us is about all right that's what joel and ellie's story is about is somebody's got to be decisive somebody's got to be a decision maker or else everybody stands around doing nothing sure we make the world turn ken (laughs) that's
2: very that's very walking dead mentality probably
0: I know like that's that's the that's the monologue I give right before I like hit somebody with a baseball bat (laughs) um before we get into Pittsburgh which is a long segment we're gonna be in for it today but we're gonna skip through some stuff we're gonna get through some combat stuff uh just because we don't want to spend forever talking about this stuff and there there are sections of this area where there's just a lot of like kind of I want to say repetitious but like you're kind of doing the same general thing uh over and over again so we'll kind of move quickly through some of those parts before we get into that alan how would the folks at home know of you and also what's your history with the last of us
2: so uh i'm a freelance games journalist so i'm based in the uk and i write for like a variety of magazines and websites i actually started off uh my first commission thing was about four years ago for the uk side of kotaku Um, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunately no more and unfortunately the way it worked it was syndicated from Kentucky US but like like the UK site would like publish the US stories but it Mm -hmm. wasn't reciprocated (laughs) although I think we did that we did it with um, the Australian site so some of my bylines are still on the Australian side
0: Uh, but you know, I'm a former Kotaku employee and I think this is within the realm of what I'm allowed to say still and all that, but it's just a weird situation that never quite fully made sense to me in terms of sometimes my articles would be syndicated by Kotaku UK or Kotaku Australia. Uh, sometimes they go the other way. Sometimes they wouldn't and all, like it was double weird because i think most people didn't know that kotaku uk is like owned or was owned by a different company mm. from kotaku us yeah um i think it was future Fu- oh yeah kotaku so UK? future are like yeah
2: i do quite a lot of stuff for future magazines as well like mm-hmm. edge and official mm-hmm. playstation magazine and retro mm-hmm. and retro gamer and then there were a couple that and there were a couple that closed down in the last few years which is shame like games master uh, which I did mm-hmm. a fair bit for, but these days I'm just all over the place, um, covering different things. Um, in answer to your second question, for The Last of Us, uh, interesting story is that I, without trying to date myself, I have, I had a quite a long hiatus from video games for like mm-hmm. a while, and then I guess it was like I was in university, and like you get so many other things come up. In your life and then games is a time-consuming hobby and something had to give so games kind of went to one side and then it took a while for me to get back into it and then so by the time i got back into it it, uh, that was when the last of us came out uh like it wasn't the first game i went back to playing but like i picked up a couple of like indie games like that could run on my macbook at the time so like um what was it? Gone Home was one of them, and so was uh, Papers, Please. But then I was hearing stuff about The Last of Us, and then I thought, you know, it was like my birthday was coming up. I thought, you know, what New Year? Let's pick up a PS3 and get into this game. And then before you knew it, uh, before you know it, like I just went. It called me back in, and I was into all other kinds of games. But you know, I had missed out, like how games had evolved, especially in the, you know, mocap and storytelling side. So that was quite a, uh, you know come to the last of us first in like almost almost a decade was quite a Mm -hmm. revelation i think so yeah that that was really big to me and then that was to say that was like beginning of 2014 and then i ended up playing it again because i I thought fuck it let's get a ps4 and i got it i got ps4 at the same time when the remaster came out um so yeah that that was my relationship to the Last of Us, and then I reviewed the Last of Us Part Two for Stuff, which is a website, a UK-based website, and magazine, uh, last year. And I've written a couple other pieces around it as well. So one was for VG 24/7 about like Jesse and like the kind of Asian male character representation that you don't normally get. And then mm. another one was about mm. Abby. Before, like this was when people still had really strong feelings against Abby. So I wrote like my kind of like defense of why she's like one of the best mm. characters in the game for Gaming Bible, and I feel quite vindicated because because um, Laura Bailey's been winning all the when it came to all the best performances, mm. she's been the one who's winning all the prizes. Which was I thought about, which was yeah, I thought she was definitely the one of the strongest characters in that game.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get there because I feel like even now, I mean, granted we don't want to spend a whole Last of Us Part 1 podcast talking about Last of Us Part 2, but um, it's it's been something that I've tried to keep an eye on because obviously like once we get there I want to be able to, to talk about how it's received, and, and the weird part is I feel like we don't talk about Last of Us Part 2 much these days, which is strange. Because
2: that's, all, cause like, that's all we fucking talked about last year. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think you also gotta take into account that there are a lot of people that actively avoid talking about that game because right, discourse right. About the, around that game is toxic on basically every side of the industry, and that's not just, like, fans that just, like, can't stand that a game's not about a man, and also, you know, even on the professional side, there's a sort of a toxicity around that game that has pushed a lot of people that even, like, wanted to talk more about that game away from talking about it, so. Right. And, and yeah, yeah, we're making a podcast about it, so.
0: We're walking directly into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel it's 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 interesting to talk about. Um, and I, I guess part of the, the reason why I think Pittsburgh today is interesting is that I, this feels like the part of the game that I saw the most often brought up because of Whenever you talk about The Last of Us in terms of its brutality, like the way it's it's a violent mm. game, it, like this is the section that I feel I see most often. Like I was noticing areas from this section of the game specifically because, for the most part, we're not dealing with zombies in the section. Right. We're not dealing with um uh oh cordyceps. Uh, we're not dealing with infected here. We're dealing with humans. Uh, right. Once we get to Pittsburgh. Uh Joel is driving in Ellie's kind of waking up after having fallen asleep um and and we're driving into the city of Pittsburgh and an injured man is, is coming out he's making it look like he's injured and he needs help and Ellie's like how oh, are we going to help and and Joel tells her to put the seatbelt on He's like he ain't even hurt uh he knows he can tell what's going on um he floors it ready to run the dude over and Uh, suddenly the ambush springs a bunch of guys start shooting and they get t-boned into the side of a store uh and you're just immediately into this action scene where you are trying to not get murdered by a bunch of dudes while also trying to do the murder to them um it's really frenetic it's really fast it's really brutal because Mm. again i feel like up to this point Outside of that one section with Tess where we were escaping the Congress building, uh, we have not really had to fight a lot of humans in this game so far. It's been a lot of infected. And Mm. humans are not only do they have different tactics in this game, not only do the hunters in this game have different tactics that they use, and obviously they have different abilities because they're not going to try and run you down. They're going to try and uh, flank you. They're going to throw molotovs to get you out from behind cover. They have guns. They have bats. They have a lot of different implements that they can use to try and kill you, and they're going to search for you. So... Mm. If they find a body on the ground like an infected isn't necessarily going to see a body on the ground and start searching for somebody but a human is um i feel like this this is just a different kind of game in this whole section um and and it's really interesting because like i i used the bow a little bit i felt like i tried to stealth some areas here uh, the opening area i felt like it was almost impossible to stealth through um this this open obviously right away it's impossible but uh even after like another wave comes in and we go through pittsburgh and we keep going through all these different areas where the hunters have lived the hunters have slept there we're getting all this information kind of about what the state of pittsburgh is as we work our way through these like groups of hunters um it's... Stealth seems very hard in this section. I don't mm. know... Like, like, Ken, how are you feeling about it?
1: It was... um, it, I mean, it's interesting that you say it was hard, because, like, I... Through the the various um, points we've been upgraded at this point, like, I've been speccing towards stealth. That's kind of how I operate in these games. And this first section, for sure, like, you, you are, you know... So, mm-hmm.
0: before, before you get deep into that, how do you spec into stealth? Because that's kind of the other thing I've been wondering about is... Like, I, obviously we're at the part where I can start using pills and I can start uh, getting good upgrades on my guns and stuff, so how do you specifically spec towards stealth?
1: Uh, so, like, generally I put my uh, most of my resources into the bow, specifically, um, mm-hmm. and I will do things like uh, upgrade my listening uh, mode distance and things like that. You know, the, the tools that you have to actually do stealth in terms... Of, oh, okay. and, and, you know, just uh, keep in mind how... Like, and when you, I guess when you go into the game with like the perspective of like I'm trying to stealth the majority of things, you kind of like see how things that are that seem universal like in terms of upgrades that you can make, how they can really funnel into like a very specific playstyle. So like like I said like you can do listening distance and that is gonna help you be more aware of your surroundings in a way that like okay i know if i go this way i'm gonna take this one guy i also am more aware of people that are maybe like kind of within earshot and that might hear me if something goes wrong because like something that is interesting is that you can get in like you know a a full-blown like uh melee fight with somebody and still technically be in stealth if people are far away enough um which was you know not i mean that's kind of like standard now but at the time that was not even what like Uncharted did, and so like the last of Us was like a moment, Naughty Dog understanding the degrees of these things for stealth. Because like if you got spotted by one person in Uncharted three, the whole room knew where you were, and that was just video games. So yeah, it's just about like looking at these seemingly universal upgrades and like knowing what is best going to suit that playstyle. Mm. Okay. So that was kind of what I did through. The majority of this early session except for you know obviously the very first one where everyone already knows that you're there um but uh-huh. i honestly like was surprised that i did manage to pull off stealth kind of throughout this and um it was just because I had, I had that uh awareness that like if even if i fuck up on you know the opposite side of like a combat arena as long as it does not break out into a shootout there's a chance i can still uh get a move forward uh undetected. Uh-huh. Alan, how how do you usually
0: play Last of Us? Like, do you find yourself going stealth, or do you find yourself like being a little bit more run and gun?
2: I think most games, when they're stealth, I will usually pick stealth because I do want to try and do things, it's not like doing things quietly, but also it's a great way to, you know, manage resources so I don't have to mm. plug in bullets yes. and so forth. But um, I'm trying to think about these hunters because uh, it was it was actually a while since I last played it, but but i think the same tactic i think you worked on the infected works on some hunters as well like if you distract them it's distract them with something like a bottle or a brick or you like distract them in one way and then just like <laughs> stun them with a bottle and then just run in there and just like strangle them right. that strength yeah getting in close and strangling seemed to work for me quite often if yeah. i remember right but i it's i a think there were set there was a section i recall when i first played it that i was like i think the section was long not just because of the combat but some of it just has you replaying quite a lot of times like i don't know what difficulty mm. you go for but i just go for the standard and even then mm. like there are i think it's that it's that building where there are two floors and you're trying to work your way up and it's like there are shelves and stuff yes and that place yeah. i think like you're getting flanked from all sides and you're trying to think every time I kept replaying that I was trying to get an optimal way of not getting spoiled or trying to run rush to the next cover point and because that one was like yeah they're just like everywhere
0: yeah that one I'm glad you brought up because so like again you know we mentioned earlier this is a very long section so to to breeze through it like we kind of go through these ever escalating situations of sneaking around hunters um there are some like small moments where you get like a chance to catch your breath in between hunter packs where like um you'll stop and you'll be going through like a an abandoned checkpoint or something like that just kind of get some flavor about how pittsburgh fell apart um how pittsburgh um kind of becomes indicative of the way that i imagine most cities in this game went um you know it's it's the way that joel talks about some of this stuff you know he implies that there this this was not uncommon um you know rations uh had trouble going around people were being strung up um very typical post-apocalyptic well everything's going to shit time to shed our humanity <laughs> sort of thing mm-hmm. um i i did find it it was interesting to just have ellie there as this naive uh person who who was like asking all these questions um and there is, like, a little bit of, I, I, I'm looking at your notes, Ken, and I'm glad you brought up that, like, the way Joel talks about this, you can kind of sense there's maybe a little bit of, like, lingering hurt about the the terminology that's been, like, accepted about this stuff. You know, like, oh, it was a necessary sacrifice and all that can apply to his daughter as well um, mm. and how that can still kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm reading your notes now and realize I missed a shiv upgrade. Now I'm really mad. So yeah. <laughs> I still well, only have two used shivs. <laughs> so yeah. um, this,
1: There was also something that kind of like in like a broad strokes combat uh, thing I wanted to note. This was the point where I started to feel like I was getting enough upgrades and supplies at all times yeah. that I felt like I was a powerhouse. But then it was something I didn't even really necessarily identify, even after having played this game several times in the past seven years until this playthrough is that the re- like it finally occurred to me that the reason I am able to hoard all of these supplies is because I am playing stealthy. And that, like I am like playing mm-hmm. in a way that deliberately tries to avoid having to use my supplies and like has those in like into a pinch. So like when it does get to a point where I am caught or uh, you know there is like a, an unavoidable encounter, then I do have all this stuff on me. But and it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily a balancing issue. I think it's just a matter of like, if you play a way that it's going to be uh, efficient in terms of, like, your resources. You were just going to naturally gain and have more throughout. Um, and I feel like that had been one of my bigger issues with the uh, sort of, like, the arc of the game and, the, and its design was that for the longest time, I was, like, eventually, like, you know, like, in the early sections, you are kind of, like, spoon-fed things in, like, a very specific pace. So, like, you have that constant sense of, like, I am just barely scraping by in each of these situations. But it kind of felt like you know, by the end, like, you are almost a superhuman person that has all these resources and these upgrades constantly, but then I think it, it it was a moment where I like. I was like, I don't feel like that's necessarily a fault of the game. It's just a matter of, like, I've chosen to play this game in a very specific way that means I'm going to constantly be kind of ready for whatever comes for me, and I think that okay. is something that, it, like I said, it took me, this is probably, like, my sixth or seventh time playing through this game over the years, and... Let, like, me, it, let me give it, you... Yeah. Mm-hmm. go
0: ahead ahead. okay okay i was just gonna say let me give you a perspective from someone who uh tried their best to stealth some of these early encounters and just would end up in situations where like i accidentally you know maybe i I clear half the room and then uh accidentally like alert somebody and uh send the other half at me um i was still not very wanting for resources uh this is before. So I will say halfway through this, and, and I will note specifically when it happened because I want to specifically discuss that. Uh, halfway through this, uh, I was playing this yesterday afternoon. I wasn't. Uh, I was hitting some walls and some encounters and stuff. So I did bump the difficulty down to easy to get through some of this, um, and I'm glad I did because we will get to a point where I really wanted to discuss the idea of scaling difficulty in this game. Uh, but. Uh, the that two floor section that alan mentioned earlier with the shelves and stuff i i was a damn ghost in that area all right like Mm. i got i got through the streets up to the second floor uh and almost completely to the end never being spotted and never touching a single guard i was completely ghosting it and then there's one section right at the end where the there is a dude who is just standing right in front of the only exit out of the place um in a way that's basically like you're gonna have to move this guy some way or another um i don't like it when video games do this especially stealth video games because i Mm -hmm. feel like that's a betrayal of what You know, like, you've given the player the ability to, if they want to, like, be able to completely move through this space uh, deftly and be rewarded for it. And here it's like, oh, no, you just got to do something. And also, like, there were enough people around that it would be difficult to just take him out with an arrow or something like that. Mm. Um, I threw a brick, which got him to move, and then snuck over and started sneaking down the hallway, and then he turned around and saw me um what ensued was possibly the dumbest section of gameplay i have ever had this video game so far (laughs) um where there's like you head down there's a hallway there that leads to like this sort of fire escape sort of staircase down uh into this like small parking area that is going to like lead into the next area uh that area especially those fire escape stairs or whatever um I had just about every hunter that was in the level that I ghosted previously was now running down those fire escape (laughs) stairs to come and murder me, (laughs) and I think I took a screenshot of it by the time it was done, because I was basically just standing at the bottom and just i had my shotgun and i was like unloading into them and i had my melee weapon with upgrades so i could take out two right away and then i was using the the two by four to just beat the crap out of the others and i was throwing molotovs and ellie's just sitting there the whole time like joel look out and i'm like yeah there's literally like 20 dudes on this fire escape i'm trying to do some murder here please do not interrupt me Pop the shooting gallery. yeah and it and it was like it was kind of difficult because like if i if too many of them like as long as they were all kind of stuck up on those stairs you know they could try to shoot but it was really difficult for them to shoot through the fire escape and all that to actually hit me so that was kind of my saving grace but if i let too many of them down obviously like so i had to kind of control the flow and and like molotov at at the right time and stuff like that so i was preventing too many from coming down at once but i swear i killed like 20 dudes on that staircase (laughs) and um but that 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 moment was the frustration for me was it felt like i had played that level in the most skillful way possible and then one mistake at the end resulted in me having to like completely undo all the work I had done up to that point but then like I spent all those resources and like one one shiv lock door later I'm completely back to full again and I'm not really having trouble keeping my stock up honestly like shivs are pretty easy to come by and now that they're multi-use I feel like I'm going through them like much slower than I was previously Uh, they're much less of a commodity now or or precious commodity i should say now it's like having an upgraded melee weapon is really nice but i don't know everything else i'm just like i'm kind of like even in this level they're giving you straight up molotovs they're not even just like putting the ingredients there they're like hey here's a molotov like it's just hanging out over here you can pick it up and take it so Uh, it was um
2: it's interesting they had because was it the Molotov is the same ingredients you need to craft mid kits so it's kind of like you have to choose whether or not you want to be like choose like offense or recovery but i think i got to the point here around this where there was kind of enough resources that i didn't feel like i had to sacrifice one over the other so it was mm-hmm. generally yeah I that's that's the choice they wanted to give you but on the standard difficulty it feels like you could do both without too much of a fuss
0: so that's the thing i wanted to bring up about the scaling difficulty is it kind of feels like the game is pretty manageable on standard honestly and and so when i bumped it down to easy we'll talk about the specific reason why i don't like easy actually surprisingly um but uh it just kind of feels like even on standard you're being given everything you really need um and I'm guessing like grounded like that's where the challenge mm. is that's where like the struggle for everything comes from and you know we've had people on here who have said they've played grounded before and it was just like brutal but um i i know that last of us part two is supposed to have like kind of more intense difficulty sliders like more mm. things that you can kind of toggle and play with um yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that because i feel like there's a pretty big disparity between challenges here um where, where the easy definitely feels too easy. Uh, and I guess we can talk about that as we get to it, because eventually we get to a hotel that we're working our way up through. Um, and as we get into an elevator shaft, uh, we help Ellie up to an area, and then as we try to get up there, the elevator plummets down into the bottom of the hotel uh, to like where it's kind of sunken in. And we go through this whole segment where Joel is trying to get back to Ellie to, to join back up with her. And... Um, this is where we're introduced to an enemy that isn't really named, I don't think, or at least I didn't feel like it was explicitly named, I had to look it up, but they are apparently different from Normal Infected, and from...
3: Stalkers.
0: Yeah, so they are called Stalkers. Um, I'm not really sure what their mechanic was, because it kind of felt like there was a red light, green light thing going on, like they would...
1: The, the thing about them is that they are describes like as ferocious as a clicker but um with the sight of a runner but what the the interesting thing that they do is that they are able to hide and be quiet so like you can't listen for them um Mm. they are used very sparingly in part one but they become more of a uh, frequent thing in part two for sure um but yeah like they don't have the same sort of like introduction that i guess like the, the clicker does and so it's not really outwardly spoken to you that that's how they work. It's just kind of a thing you have to infer based on the fact that they do literally like hide, like at the edge of a doorway, like look looking for you, and um, they do eventually like go quiet. And so, like if you're holding down for listening mode, um, they will just straight up disappear. And that is interesting. It's it, like you know, it's a very nice subversion of how like, like the game is played at that point. But it's yeah, it's not outwardly spoken to you
0: anyway. So so this is where I want to make my case for don't play this game on easy um not only was there no bloater in this section for me which i understand now there was supposed to be a bloater in this section Hmm. uh but the stalkers always made noise i could always see the stalkers on my listen mode Um, i
1: I didn't know about the the bloater thing specifically but there also like is like a non-zero chance you might have just missed it because like it's not something you have to fight in like it was at bill's town it is one that like you can just be like if after you turn on the generator and then like you know they all start to descend upon you, Um and the, I, I I didn't fight the boater but I did like in my process of running to the exit did see it shot it with my shotgun once to like kind of stun it and so I then I kept running away. Um, maybe yeah, maybe
0: I, I did skip it. Then it is totally possible that on on easy it's there but I just like missed it because yeah. I did the generator last. I found the key card first. Uh, yeah. Tried to swipe the key card. And then realized I had to go do something, and then was pretty lost for a while. and Then the game was like, "Hey, here's where the freaking generator is. Go hit the generator." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. I got lost yeah. a lot in this section of the game, by the way. Um, I don't know if that's yeah,
1: that's um, I, I you and I did too. Like, the, and a lot of it is in the, these uh, darker sections, or when you have to like swim and like dive under shit, and like so you can get mm-hmm. to the other floors through that. Um, yeah, and it, I mean it is an interesting section, just like. It is yeah, one of the more, like, explicitly horror sections of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is one that, like... is one of those, like, really stand-out moments, like, for, like, when the bloater shows up. But it was... Like, I did prefer this use of the bloater versus what they did at Billstown because, like, I feel like in the... Like, when you make it a boss, that's when it becomes, like... Um, it's just, you know, this thing that you have to run around, cover, and try and not get uh, caught by. But when you put it in, like, a more natural setting in the world... It becomes like way more scary because I just turned the corner and that fucker was right there, and that and that was even and it even made me jump knowing it was there. Like when I first played it, you know, back in 2013, that was a fucking moment of like, oh fuck, I gotta spin on my heels and run towards the exit that I hope I'm gonna find. Even because like I did have a moment even here where I had to like kind of circle around twice because I lost my way and I didn't know mm-hmm. where, where the exit was. Um, luckily, I didn't run to the loader again, but he was there.
0: <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's an interesting section and Alan do you, do you have any like strong feelings about the the stalker the bloater or any of the the interesting stuff that the game is kind of throwing at you at this point
2: that point I mean it's not at it, that point is so it's almost a bit of a relief just to have infected the fight again just because they're a little more well it's a little bit more predictable also then they then they introduce these like stalkers and stuff just to keep you on your toes at the same time so it's nice mm. that they're still introducing stuff and also this is down like when it's this is when we're back down to like I think with the spores and the darkness So it's kind of mm-hmm. like it does bring in that kind of horror element back in whereas the fighting gets hunters is more of a open kind of horror you know like these are the humans like other human people mm-hmm. just trying to kill you and it's a bit something more brutal and I think are we talking about the hotel section that is where we get up to because I remember my this is probably the same this might be the bit from the E3 demo because this is like when I f- was looking up clips back then yeah. I remember the one that I like the first one I YouTubed up was I think this section when when Joel and Elio just like getting in they have to cross through the water and then there's a big and then it ends and it ends with like them fighting a group of hunters then Joel taking a shotgun at the guy to the face and mm-hmm. that was like quite that's that's mm-hmm. when I watched that clip, I thought wow shit this is like this is this is like intense that's what kind of made me feel mm-hmm. like this is a game I need to play although I was going to think about how did you feel about Ellie as like an AI companion because like she was really good on she's been really great on as a companion for just like story and and just dialogue but then like how she kind of plays cuz from that same demo you you had i remember seeing there's a kind of sense of that you know she's a very active kind of companion like who can jump in and stab the guy or like or like distract them but i kind of felt like during these kind of fights that she doesn't she doesn't actually do do an awful lot like she or like yeah they don't <laughs> yeah. spot or yeah she'll run around then no one will pay attention that she's there and it's, it's and then when I ended up end up playing some more games over the years with, like, AI companions, because, like, my... The one that I always think back to is, like, Eco. and that one was always a very... That's, like, always had a... That's, like, one of my favourite games of all time, and I always thought that, that kind of bond and protecting Yorda, uh, Yorda was, like, really, like, uh, special. Whereas I think a, a, I found a lot, of, like, other AI companions are, like, too they're too reliable in the sense that they don't really you don't really care care for them like you're supposed to i mean there's really? that there's that section really early on at the beginning of pittsburgh where yeah you know, um you have the ellie's being like attacked and being choked by one of the hunters and then you're running over and mm-hmm. saving her but then like that that was like a scripted moment whereas there are no moments where she's in genuine peril that you need to like come to her aid
0: I mean I think there's been moments so far where like I know in Bill's Town there was a point where we were getting run run at by a bunch of infected and it put her in one of those um like preset segments and they did the same with Bill too where like an infected is attacking them and a little like timer bar mm-hmm. pops up over them where it's like oh you need to to do something to help them out or they're going to get attacked and die uh i think the same one happens i mean we'll we'll get to some segments later in pittsburgh once we meet some more characters and stuff where you have to land certain shots or take out certain people so that way it doesn't result in an instant game over and all that for your companions but i think especially this first half of pittsburgh it's all about that feeling of it starts out with ellie like in danger being choked by a dude that you have to go help her and by the end of pittsburgh um she is so much more capable like she is like able to fight able to defend herself um up to this point you know she could kind of do stuff like she could kind of throw things and all that but um by the end of pittsburgh like she is just straight up somebody who is able to fight and able to hold their own stand their own ground like um her her evolution in this is is really interesting uh and i think it makes for an interesting thing because i'm glad you brought up like you know eco and and, and yorda is that right i always forget her name i never played eco myself so
2: yeah yeah um, her name's yorda although like i've always like i only found out a few years ago that you're supposed to pronounce it eco because i've always ended up calling it ico <laughs> uh, mm. oh
0: hmm yeah I look I call it I call it Ubisoft even though apparently it's supposed to be Ubisoft. Exactly. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's software. But Uber, but Uber is pronounced that way.
3: <laughs> but it's not it's, Uber.
0: It's, no, but but I'm saying phonetically. I'm saying when those letters are put together in a certain way, they're supposed to have a certain phonetic sound and you can't just say that doesn't have that phonetic sound anymore because it was inspired by a different word or whatever that's not how yeah. words work.
2: English it's is v- English is very fluid right it's more like um, English is completely made up <laughs> i think it's, at every step yeah. <laughs> i remember like being, uh, learning some polish from um some someone it was kind of like some of the pronunciations are really difficult but then the point mm-hmm. was like the way the polish um, language is like once you've learned it it's consistent right it's always the same mm-hmm like um, the, those arrangements of letters and words English is just like because it's such a jumble of different other languages then there are no consistencies <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs>
0: Well so I, I'm glad you brought Yorda up because like I think that's a game where this character is or or like even you know Resident Evil 4 with Ashley um, you know here's a character that you kind of have to uh you know, cart around for most of the time. You know, you're you're dealing with different things like, oh, a cultist picked up Ashley and is walking away with her and so you need to go stop that and all that. But Last of Us already within Pittsburgh has really surprised me with the way that it's like establishing that Ellie is going to grow as a character and not mm. just grow in terms of the narrative, but like she is mechanically. Um, yeah, yeah, she's going to become more of a character, less of like, you know, Elizabeth and Bioshock who just is like, Hey, here's Booker, here's a STEM pack or whatever. Um, I forgot mm-hmm. what they call the health packs in that health pack. Um so. Oh yeah. yeah. Um uh, <laughs> a game I played once and will never play again. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, hey, here's here's some stuff. Like Ellie does that sometimes too, but only when you're kind of walking around ambiently and it's more like, Hey, I found this over here and you're like, Cool, thanks um but i mean the big turn here comes when you uh emerge out of the infected area of the hotel fight some more hunters put a ladder down and then a hunter jumps you is basically about to kill joel until a third party comes in and shoots the hunter in the head and it's ellie and you kind of have this moment where it's like okay ellie has killed a guy and like Straight up shot a dude in the head from pretty close distance. Like there's, there's very little like, you know, it's it's happening all in front of her, and um, Joel has to deal with that. He doesn't deal with it very well. Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, this next section where you're kind of moving through the hotel, getting out of the hotel uh he's just kind of not talking and ellie's like you could say thanks you could say something and uh and he just grumpily continues to shuffle along and push a piano around and stuff and um
1: and it's it's even like she when you're walking around like she would stay farther back away from joel like she's like noticeably distant and Mm -hmm. um there is a point where, like, even before the piano... And I don't... I, you might not have seen this, but, like, there's a point where there's are in that uh, that dining hall, there was, like, a backdrop for photos yeah, to be taken. Yeah, yeah. And then Ellie's, like, observing it, and Joel, like, tries to explain what it was, because, like, I, I guess at this point, like, he feels like she doesn't know anything about the old world, so, like, she is immediately like, I know what it is, and then the second prompt where she says she wasn't trying to disobey Joel, but she was just... He was taking a long time, and... She, I mean, granted, like, yeah, he did take a long time. There's a lot to necessarily, like... Your mind to race and assume that maybe some things have happened, so... Um, then Joel... But then Joel fucking doubles down. It's like, it doesn't matter what you thought. You need to listen to me. And then she's just like, whatever.
0: I, yeah, it becomes, like, this conflict, but... Um, I think the more interesting thing is that... It also resolves fairly fast, because we get to a section where... We're leaving the hotel and we find a rifle up on this like kind of catwalk area and joel you know looks down and there's a ton of hunters down below he's like we're gonna have to get through them and so he hands the rifle to ellie and teaches her like how to use it and is like you're gonna cover me from up here and it's this really like sweet scene almost Mm -hmm. where like he's explaining to her okay this is how the bolt works as soon as you fire you're gonna want to get a new one in there Make sure that stock is up in your shoulder. It's going to kick a lot more than you know. She has a funny joke about. It. She's like, "Oh, she shot a BB gun at rats before." He's like, "It's going to be a little bit different than that, but same basic concept." <laughs> um, it's it, and as I went through there, I almost like wanted to get into shit right away just to like give Ellie cool. the <laughs> chance to shoot people. Um, I, I took out a few guys stealthily and then. Um, i got spotted shooting one guy with an arrow so i actually don't know what happens if ellie doesn't get to shoot the gun at all in this segment um but once she starts shooting like she nails dudes like she takes them out and uh even joel starts making remarks like nice shot kid and stuff like that like um it's it's a really cool segment and it's I, I really dig that that was kind of the introduction to, like, okay, now Ellie can use a gun, because, right. uh, you know, eventually, like, after you clear that area, Joel takes the rifle from her and hands her a pistol is like, let's give you something a little bit more your size, it's for emergencies only, remember that, and, um, like, you know, it's it's a level of trust that's being established, but it's also, like, this was a cool way of showing that, like, it's not necessarily just Joel protecting Ellie all the time it's like Ellie can protect Joel too like there was a part where a dude was running at me and I was totally going to be able to take him out but then like he just dropped from a couple of rifle shots and I was like oh shit Ellie's got me damn yeah,
1: yeah and it's like a, even it's a neat segment uh, yeah and, and when like when when they he does give her the pistol like he does have this moment like okay you know where the safety is and then they go it it." it, it like, and this, like, I, I live in a small fucking rural area in fuck nowhere, Georgia, and it felt very, like, homey and cozy in a way that, like, run me of my dad, like, being like, obviously, like, I, I, as a human being, I did not go, I did not, um, gravitate towards a lot of, like, what we would consider, like, Southern American culture, but I did, I did have that point in my life where he tried to teach me how to use a gun, and it was, like, and I know that, like, I, I don't think it's, like, I mean, it's very fair to say that, like, The Last of Us is, uh, sort of perception of the apocalypse and also just like these things is, is very clearly american like joel is from texas he is a man that has used gun like guns his whole life and so like it your mileage may vary on like how much you enjoy that because like, i mean there are people that you know don't necessarily relate to joel and ellie's relationship because maybe they don't come from that culture and then it's valid and then it's totally okay but like i just, like i don't know like it's not something that like i would say i think like I, I would prefer a child not to have to use a gun but i did like the way that it felt very authentic in the way that like joel was mm. talking to her and like appreciating the gravity of it and teaching her how to use it and it just it just made me it made me feel some time away yeah like i'm you know live in texas
0: raised in texas i learned how to shoot a gun pretty early um it was like kind of one of the unofficial like rites of passage in my family mm-hmm. was going with my my dad and my uncles to go like uh clay pigeon shooting like skeet shooting um and the first time i shot like and, and later on you know i realized like oh that was only a 20 gauge like i hadn't even shot a 12 gauge yet and god 12 gauges kick like crazy but um yeah it's the same thing where they you know they're teaching it to me they're like okay this is how it works you know you you put it up make sure the stocks in your shoulder and uh you know fire you know, make sure the barrel's always pointed down range you know always treat a gun like it's loaded know where the safety is um and even one of the last things i did before the pandemic started out was my dad um had bought uh he's got two two guns they used for for target shooting, um, he's got, like, kind of a, I guess we would call, like, a range pistol, like, one you would normally see in, like, sports shooting, and then he's got, um, another handgun as well that he uses for target shooting, and I went to the range, and I shot a bunch of targets with him, and that's, like, you know, I have my own thoughts about gun control and gun rights and, and stuff like that, and they're mostly, like, we need more gun control, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but i also have a lot of like sentimentality tied yeah. into those moments and and right. like i i think part of it is just it's the idea of teaching something is is right. such like a uh, a moment like when when you teach someone how to do something you're like imparting your knowledge And you're also like creating a bond in that action with that person. You know, it's not just like, it's the same as when I learned how to fish. It's the same as when I learned how to drive a car or how to fix a car or, Mm. um, you know, all the other things that you just kind of learn in life. It is like a very, it's got a lot of parental sentimentality tied to it. Mm. It's got a lot of family sentimentality tied to it. Like the idea that knowledge is being passed on from one generation to another, Mm. um, and we're seeing that play out here. And the way that Joel explains it is very much like the way a parent would explain it to a kid. Like he's not going to hand a gun to another random person he meets on the street and be like, you, you know how to use the safety. Right. But with someone that he cares about, he's going to be like, you know where the safety is, right. You know how to operate it. Uh, Cause he wants her to be safe. He also wants her to know, like if you got to shoot somebody is how you're going to shoot somebody. <laughs> and um, it's, it was an interesting scene. Um, yeah. Definitely stirred some emotions for me, um, Alan. I imagine in the UK you probably do not have quite the same sentimentality for firearm training. That no, I you. think I think we
2: I think learning how your parent teaching teaching you how to drive is about as yeah that's that's <laughs> like, our equivalent. I we'll, think we'll <laughs> closer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's yeah. like I said, the Last of Us is like undeniably American in its views of like the situations that are happening in this. I mean, yes, it takes place in America, so I guess we want to have that, but I think specifically framing it through the eyes of like Joel and like again, like he's a Texan born and raised kind of man who has a very specific view. And like that's not even just talking about like violence and guns and et cetera. Like talking about like like in in the Bill setups that we actually didn't talk about it, but like when Joel is trying to talk to Bill about Frank, he like calls him his buddy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know not really like ever and that was again that was something that even my dad struggled with was like trying to like for a while it took him a long time to like call men boyfriends he was like had oh an old friend or whatever you know something like that and you know it's like sweet but also like also like fucking get with it but um it feels like i feel like with joel they do manage to capture like a very specific type of person in america and one that uh you know has this very particular understanding of the, what it means to teach somebody to uh use a gun or um tr- like trying to like fumble his way around things that were not how he grew up um and uh that's an interesting thing to see especially like when the sort of a uh, father-daughter dynamic gets more solidified in part two and they talk about things along those lines there that we will get to
0: i think i i, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on this either with like last of us part two talk but I think it is also significant that like the world they live in this is something that joel has to teach her right away it feels right. very like it does feel that way where it's it is like learning how to drive where it's like you're going to have to learn this to survive in the current world right. like this is just a part of being alive now whereas things he teaches her later um like i, I th- again preface i have not played through these games myself but i think Think, from what i understand through osmosis that ellie learns guitar from joel mm-hmm. am i correct in that yes
3: yeah
2: no, okay. not not yeah. not this not this early but yeah
0: um R- but but like the thing that eventually mm. gets her playing guitar is joel yeah
2: um right.
0: oh okay yeah so I, I bring that up because i think that's separately interesting because that's not something that's required for survival mm-hmm. and so right. that's a different kind of thing that's being passed along mm-hmm. um Whereas, like, the gun, like, teaching her how to shoot feels very significant in terms of, like, acknowledging what this world is. And, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about this near the end, because I think it's going to circle back around in an interesting way. But um, there is, like, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility that's also being handed to Ellie right now. Like, guns are things that kill people. Like, they're machines designed to kill people. And that's being... Joel is now able to trust Ellie to hold one of those and operate one of those and the consequences that come with it. And that, that's, that's a pretty sizable step. And so it's almost cute the way he's like, you know how the safety works, right? Because like, he's, he's almost like hoping to hold on to that. Like vestige It's almost like if she said no, then there might be an opportunity for him to like rescind that, that moment. Mm. But, um, that's me reading into it a little bit, but, um it's it's interesting it's an interesting moment i imagine
2: Um, i imagine he never had to teach sarah how to use a gun
0: right no no or if he did it would have been in like a recreational situation or you know it and i think that's also kind of the major difference here is that this is not like this is not like what my dad did where he took me out to the range and, and taught me you know how to shoot at targets and stuff like that like this is learning on the job so to speak like this is like you are learning to shoot by shooting people and the reason you are learning to shoot is to shoot people because and and infected but like that's kind of one of the larger things that i've i took out of pittsburgh was like this idea that you know the world has gone so to shit that like humans are as much of a problem as the infected are like I th- or one of the worse. things I kept thinking about throughout all of Pittsburgh was like, if if you know if the infected were not an issue, would humanity be able to return to normal anytime soon? Because there are just atrocities being committed throughout all this section of like people being burned um, or, or immolated in some way, people being murdered for for supplies. Um, there's there are like sections where it implies that the hunters have been hunting down people and doing bad things to them and it's like I, I look at this stuff and and i i kept thinking throughout all of it like there there aren't necessarily zombies that are forcing them into this anyways the zombies don't force them into doing anything it's scarcity that's doing this it's need that's doing this and will the absence of of any of these infected actually fix any of this
2: yeah i think we might have missed over because it is revealed or implied earlier on that Joel was part of he would have he would have been one of these guys at some point during the yeah. last twenty years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ellie, um, Ellie brings up like the how did you know it was an ambush and he's like, I've been on both sides of it before. Um and that's that's kind of a I don't think that's like a shocker moment, but that is a moment where you're just like, Oh yeah, there is like there's twenty years of Joel's life that we didn't play through and nice. He could have led a lot of different lives in that time. Um I'm I'm now looking back at the, the notes to see where we're headed to next. Um yeah.
2: I'm not sure if he ever got that statistic is the way that the hunters talk no, about no like other people as tourists. So they're like basically fair right. game <laughs> anyone who passes through. Yeah. Especially like the the couple that get gunned down, like I think we might have just gone past that bit, but uh that was particularly bru- right. that was quite particularly brutal because like because it's the it's not the the guy kind of gets he almost gets kind of killed off screen she's like shotgun to the head right in front mm-hmm. of you right in front of you which is like right pretty brutal
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that that's the next part that we get to is like this uh we we start encountering this this they call it like a truck but it's like basically a military humvee that the the hunters operate and kind of becomes a a thorn in our side for all of this section um and it like you said it, it runs down this couple that's trying to get away and that's that's where we hear that like oh they were one of the last groups that the hunters were trying to deal with alongside the tourists as they call us um which is i think an interesting phrasing interesting terminology that they've created uh but um after we deal with the the Uh, truck and we kind of move around all these different buildings there's like a great segment where they're you're on the edge of a of i think it's like an apartment building but you're you're moving along the edge on the sill and the truck pulls up underneath you and ellie like freaks out and joel's like don't worry it's not going to be able to see us because the turret can only like look in certain you know angles and stuff like that Uh, but then you get into a room and uh joel gets into a tussle with a fella, and and Joel's whooping on his ass until Ellie tells him stop because there's a kid with him who has pulled a gun on them, and there's kind of a standoff for a moment, and then both sides kind of relent, and this is where we meet Sam and Henry, who uh, are, god, what would you estimate their ages are? Like, I'd say probably, like,
1: late 20s um, and then around yeah, the I same th- ages. As Ellie wanna, is, wow, well, this kid. I want to say that um, I want to say that Henry said that he was like five when the outbreak happened, so he would have been like, right, five, twenty-six. Um, yeah. And then there's a there's a line later where uh, Sam says it or Ellie says that she's fourteen, and then Sam's like, "Oh, me too." And then Henry kind of like laughs, like, "Oh, you're 14 <laughs> so he's like maybe 12, 13 or so. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. He would have been. Yeah, they're both would
2: have been born during the outbreak as well. So
0: yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Both of them kind of have fuzzy ages but they're brothers um they came into the city as part of a group of survivors looking for supplies they all got scattered by the ambush Uh, now they're trying to get out of the city and meet up at a radio tower uh, outside the city which is kind of their meeting place to to reconvene uh, so we're working with people again, yay! <laughs> Surely this won't go poorly. <laughs> uh, and it shows a nice um,
2: parallel dynamic of like another couple. Well, it's like siblings, um, like brothers, but you know, it's a different kind of dynamic. Which is kind right, of impo- which right. is kind of important because there's like another parallel later than that, which really like shows a different side to the whole story.
0: I think one of the things that gets established very early on, you know, obviously part of the dynamic of Sam and Henry is that they are, um, brothers and there is like, a, a, an actual family relationship. Whereas, uh, they, you know, okay, hold on. I got to remember this now. Henry's the older one, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was right. Damn. For some reason I thought I was wrong. Uh, Henry, uh, asks Joel, you know, like, so is that your daughter or whatever, um, and he's, like, just more like a guardian, like someone, I think the way he resolves it, he's like, uh, I promised someone I'd look after her, or something like that, um, which is good thinking on your feet, Hmm. Joel. That's a good, succinct way of explaining it in a satisfactory manner without revealing too much about, like, what the actual reason behind your trip and all that is. Good job, Joel. Um, (laughs) but, uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic, because I think part of it is we see, you know, here's another group, um, you know, Henry makes the comment that these hunters don't really keep kids around or whatever, so we get the sense that, um, obviously, like children, it's a whole thing, taking care of kids in a situation like, a, you know, an infected outbreak and all that, um, so anyone who is caring for someone who ne- can't necessarily always fend for themselves uh, is always interesting not necessarily survival of the fittest like the hunters kind of portray themselves as but we get to see the difference in dynamics between the two pairs so like when you're in the toy store um sam picks up a robot toy that he wants to take with him and he's like oh come on i want to you know it doesn't weigh anything and stuff like that and and henry like really chastises him for it and is like we only take what we have to and and he's very much like extremely strict and it's it's almost like i mean that's what joel was like not that long before this where he was extremely strict with ellie and saying like you know these are the rules you got to follow these rules and stuff like that and he relents because he understands that ellie is capable now he understands that and, and he he makes it it feels like a concession almost like he's being like okay i trust you a little bit more whereas here we're seeing henry cares for sam but he also like does not seem to trust that Sam is able to fend for himself in any situation. Mm. Um, and in some cases, like Sam is a kid. Like that's totally yeah. understandable. But at the same time, I feel like it's this simmering pot that builds up over time where we start to see how that affects Sam's own mindset mm. and how Sam perceives himself
1: in this world. Yeah, and, um, and even even on that note, like, Joel was very strict with Ellie from the beginning, but, like, Joel never, like, insisted that she was not allowed to, like, take things that she liked and, like, have things that she was interested in. And right. it's, like, there are questions, like, what does what a childhood look like in the in the apocalypse? And, like, Sam can't even have a toy that he wants. And, like, he's being kept to the bare essentials of, like, what it is to survive where Ellie allowed to have interests and, like, allowed to, like, and, you know, she's a, we learn basically through... The things that she takes along with her, like we had, like, what her interests are, what she cares about, like what she values. And we we basically figured out that she's a big fucking nerd. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, I mean, we've
0: been picking up comics for her, mm. like, right? That that's a big mechanic that gets introduced in Pittsburgh. Is that I think I found like two or three comics that are like ones where Joel is like, "Hey, I found more of that comic you've been reading," and Ellie's just like, "Cool, neat, I'll read it later." It's like, yeah, it's such a difference from that toy store.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, and it's even like so we did have, just have the moment where like we, we taught to use a gun and like maybe that is like an essential part of growing up in this world but like it feels like Sam has gone like one direction or like Henry I guess in, the, in terms of like what he wants Sam to be able to like uh, take with him and like know to like even as they're moving forward like leans in so far into one direction it feels like Sam doesn't like he, like, he doesn't get to have those things he doesn't get to have those things that he cares about and it's kind of fucking sad yeah. it's like well it's like mm-hmm.
2: being a protector being a protective parent to the point of suffocating, I guess, which is like right. doing mm-hmm. it out of love because this is like, this is what we need to do to survive. But then it's also, yeah, just kind of sad when you f- think of it that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it reaches an interesting point too, because we go through a small section where we do have to again, fight through some hunters and all that, but we get to where Sam and Henry have been holding up, um, which is this, <laughs> i i love this bar by the way it's like the ceo's office in some uh business uh area and, and they're basically holed up in like what, what seems like a financial holding or something like that like you know, somewhere where people make a lot of money and uh they've holed up inside the ceo's office because they have the key for it and they're the only ones who have the key so it's like their safe house even if the hunters knew where it was it'd be difficult for them to get into it and all that so um you you go into this office and they're hanging out and like Joel and, and Henry are, are just kind of talking and they talk a little bit about the fireflies. You learn that, um, Sam and Henry, or at least Henry is heading out to join the fireflies out West and is bringing Sam along with, um, and Joel kind of gives him a little bit of shit about it. Like, Hey, you know, you just want to join the fireflies. You're going to drag him along too. And all that. And before, you know, revealing that they themselves are looking for the fireflies, um, but they look over at, you know, the kids at Ellie and at Sam, and they're, they've are they got a bag of blueberries, and they're just throwing them up in the air and catching them with their mouths and stuff, and they're, like, having fun and laughing. Mm. And there are segments throughout the rest of this uh, section of the game where you, you can pause and let them kind of play games and stuff like that and interact with each other, and it feels so different because... I, you know, here at least it's like, you know, it, it happens in a cutscene and all that. But with the ones that happen out in the real world, you kind of have to have them happen by Joel choosing. Like, you have to choose to stop and let this happen. And I feel like there's almost an implication there that, like, if it were up to somebody else, maybe they wouldn't be stopping to play a game of darts or play soccer right. or whatever. And um, it's, it, it almost feels like you're starting to rub off on henry a little bit and like hey you can lighten up you can you can let sam have some fun and all that but then it becomes go time you henry gives you the rundown of what they're going to do there's this guard gate that they're trying to get through to get to the bridge so they can get out of pittsburgh and uh once you get there uh it's once you get ready to move out he's all business with Sam again he's like stick to me like glue do this do this do this and that that kind of goes away like joel isn't sitting there prepping ellie for the stuff he's just like you know what you got to do right but i don't know it's 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 almost kind of tough to watch at times i i don't know so the spotlight the spotlight area I fucked this up real bad, guys. I
2: I think I remember <laughs> redoing this
0: bit
1: quite a lot as well. Yeah, um, I, I did too. Like, it, it was there were a couple points where it seemed like the AI like Henry was not following where I thought it was supposed to. So I like there was one where I like the the stealth section like that seemed to be almost scripted. Like, did not go with planned So I just reset the thing because I was like that wasn't my fault, and so I had to mm-hmm. like start it over because Henry was not grabbing somebody when I grabbed him, and uh yeah.
2: are you someone who are you someone who like auto-restarts like basically the moment you fuck up
1: uh i mean it depends on how far into it i am like how far have i committed to what i'm at if it's like at the very beginning like this because like there's a point where henry's like okay i'm following your lead and you grab one guy he grabs the other and that's supposed to be like they're supposed to be in sync uh Mm -hmm. there were a couple times when that didn't happen and i was like okay what the fuck? that's not how it's supposed to work because like suddenly Hmm. the entire encounter was messed up so i had to start over um but then, if it got to be like I, I, was like already at the gate, and like there was a bunch of people that were uh, that had already taken out, and like I was like, oh, that's not worth starting over. Um, I, I did have this. Okay, y'all can talk about how you fucked up in a minute, but like the the time that eventually did work, that what I did actually get through. Uh, what happened was, I stealthed through initially and got the people that were on the ground. It was the people that were up on top of the gate that I had to worry about. But what I did was I shot one of the two that was on lookout on top with an arrow and then one of them like the other guy like saw it like started freaking out and then the other the rest of the group started to come over and they oh. were all like oh what's going on threw a Molotov took them all out at once
0: got him see I wish I would cool. thought like that I wish I would come up with that cause I think the first time I tried it I could have done that because the, the first time I went through I tried to like do it real stealthy so I took out the dudes that were on the ground. Um, And then I went and shut off the generator because I was like, aha, Mm -hmm. now the the spotlight dudes will come down and check it out. Instead, like, the entire group came down to check it out and immediately started fanning out. And it's like eight dudes or something. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of guys up there that I did not see previously. And so I was like, oh, man, I fucked up. (laughs) Like, turning off the generator isn't the way to go. So I restarted the encounter. And then this time... Uh, I got up, you know, I took out the dudes on the ground, and I got up real close, and Ellie was like, Joel, there's someone on the spotlight up there, and I was like, yeah, I got it, Ellie, and so I pull out my bow and arrow, and I'm like, clearly the game wants me to take that dude out, and it will reward me for doing so, and I took him out, and all eight dudes were like, yo, there's someone out there, let's go get him, and I was like, oh, (laughs) damn it, so that time, I was just like, okay, you know what, whatever, like, it's just murder time now, let's just get to it, like, let's get through this section, but... I'm not really sure how I was supposed to stealth that one. I guess it's the best way would have been to like try and set up some bombs or whatever, and then turn off the generator and just run mm. away really quick and go hide. And that would have been the best way to stealth it, but I don't know. It's an interesting encounter, Alan. Do you remember much about like this section? Like, did you kind of fuck this up a little bit too?
2: <laughs> I think I I think I recall restarting it over and like I I would basically restart if I messed up. The moment I get the alert I'm like ah oh, fuck it because <laughs> I just want to like mm. my idea of playing stealth is trying to whittle it I can't commit to stealth I just try and whittle down as many of them as I can just so when mm. it when shit hits the fan they'll be like well it's only going to be three or four guys That that's manageable not like eight so yeah for me it's like stealth is like a ticking clock you try to like outrun it as long as you can and then mm. shit happens and then yeah but, but then by then it's fine and then we can move on to the next section like I think I think that was the same with without trying to get into part two again that happened a few times in part two like really did I ever make it to the end of one encounter Scott free. it it'd be like well you because once you set it off you can't it's really hard to reset it right so, mm-hmm. yeah. so you have to just kind of like, yeah I, if you don't get them all out then you just gotta fucking get rid of them
0: I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's just this this game is really like driving it home for me, and imagine Last of Us Part Two will as well. Where uh, during like the 360 generation, there were obviously a lot of games that were doing this sort of stealth, where it's like okay, you want to take out the whole room without being seen. I I keep calling back to like Batman Arkham because I feel like that's the game that I think of the most often. You know, like Assassin's Creed was doing something similar, uh, Far Cry was doing something similar, where it's like take out the whole hideout without getting spotted there were a lot of games that were just doing that sort of like you can either kill everybody and go super loud or you can do stealth and take them Mm. all quietly and stuff like that and and usually stealth would also depending on the game uh you know carry some level of like oh lethal versus non-lethal so like dishonored uh is that way and all that um but uh i've especially in last of us I feel like the game is almost more comfortable in being a game where it's like you are going to try and stealth for as long as possible to, you know, because that's the most sensible thing to do. It's what's going to expend the fewest resources possible to try and, you know, make it through this situation. And like there, there's a, there's an encounter very early on in Pittsburgh that we kind of breeze through, but it's, it's one of the first hunter encounters you get and you can totally just let the hunters walk by you Mm -hmm. and not get spotted. And that's it. That's the end of it. Like they will not chase after you or anything. Like once they kind of leave and Ellie's like, Oh, Hey, I guess they're, they're gone now. I think we're, we're in the clear. Like, and there were a few other situations where I did that, where I just completely avoided a pack, but also like the idea that once it goes loud, to just be cool with that and be cool with not 100% ghosting all these areas. Like, I, I feel like the game almost rewards that because the combat it, it is fun. Like when you get into the the middle of a fracas, you get in a melee or whatever, like mm. it is kind of fun to just be running around chaotically and trying to take people out. Um, I was trying to be way more judicious with my shots because, uh if you try to just like spam shoot somebody you'll take like five or six shots to the chest sometimes to take some of like the armored dudes out but if you get a headshot you're good you're you know you're in the clear so uh i feel like this game rewards you for if you go loud and play smart versus just like oh i have to 100 percent ghost this or else it's just why do i even bother yeah um it doesn't really matter because once we get through this gate the good old truck shows up again <laughs> shooting and we go through a whole like running away segments where we're just running from this thing and messing with gates and stuff like that and we finally get to uh an area where we're trying to get everyone over this barricade uh and the ladder breaks as ellie is climbing up over it sam and henry are already at the top and the ladder breaks while ellie is on it she gets up there ellie's like we gotta save joel we gotta help him out and henry's like nah nah peace i'm gone we we like he's basically he basically says i'm sorry and and uh runs with sam and that's it and ellie damn mvp jumps (laughs) down is like we're in this together as a freaking truck with a turret on it (laughs) is charging towards you um And you go through another chase sequence where you're once again running from all this this hail of gunfire and kind of serpentining between barricades and stuff and finally you get to a bridge and uh you're you're kind of in a dead end and ellie's like we can jump and joel's like you can't swim and they go back and forth and ellie's like no more time to argue and just jumps and joel's like damn it and jumps after her um it's all super tense, and you grab her, and you hit a rock, and you wake up, and you're on the beach, and uh, you find out that Sam and Henry have spotted you in the water and saved you from drowning and brought you on the beach. And to return the favor, Joel pulls a gun on mm-hmm. Henry, is like you left us to die, uh, and you have a whole standoff where Henry's like, look, you would have done the same. We got to look out for ourselves but i'm glad that we were able to save you we saved you from drowning and ellie like kind of talks you down and eventually you kind of come to a begrudging okay we'll still work together to get to this radio station and get moving um the the moment of betrayal maybe did not strike me as hard because i kind of saw that coming once like the ladder broke i was like oh these Mm -hmm. these two are gonna peace out they're gonna bounce like Mm -hmm. there's no way uh, I did like that Ellie jumped down as like, nah, we're we're in this together." Mm. Um, really, really endeared me <laughs> to the character in that moment. But, yeah. um, but it is true though, because it,
2: um, it is true because Joel yeah. would have he would have done the same. Absolutely, hundred percent. Because we got that from there since like the very beginning. He's like, "No, nah, we've just got to look after ourselves." That's that's right. been his mm-hmm. mentality.
0: I mean, that's I think that's one of the interesting parts of this section is like. Um, you know, what happens when you run with a group and what are the dangers and what are the benefits. Because, you know, we see some of the dangers in that, like, Sam and Henry are outcasts from their group and they all got split up. And as we are safe to assume at this point, I think their group is pretty much dead. They're all, like, none of them are going to be around or make it. Um, It's just Sam and Henry. And I think... You know in in survivor fiction in zombie fiction that's always a thing of like larger group means it's it's harder to stay alive sometimes but Mm. um i kind of like the way that the last of us did it here where it's like okay these these two pairs have a common goal right now and they're going to work together, but also like the second that something gets hairy, like one of them is obviously going to look out for themselves the most, like mm. even within the group, there is a hierarchy in terms of what they care about. Right. Um, and so Joel pulling a gun almost feels hypocritical, but also it doesn't because like I'm sitting there like, yeah, Joel would have done the same, but Joel's still alive. So he's still going to be mad that he got left for dead. right <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. So now we're we're kind of progressing towards this military tower, this this radio station that, that we're going to go to to meet up with whoever might still be alive from uh, Sam and Henry's group. Uh, one interesting thing about this section that I think I just want to touch on here, and I don't know if we need to touch on much throughout, but it does one of those things where there are notes that you're picking up that are kind of this running story of a survivor what? named Ish...
3: Uh, yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. I, I think it's worth picking up on because, it's one, I think it's one of the, the, the sort of like thread that we're about to follow. It's probably one of the more interesting uh, versions of environmental storytelling that the game does. And it also, like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, this might not, you weren't playing at the time, but like, it, this was, like, a standout moment for a lot of people that pe- to the point where people thought that we might get DLC that followed this storyline. Um, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that would have made a lot of sense because I think, despite... The characters that weave in and out of it left us is very much about Joel and Ellie, and I don't think mm-hmm. like, it is a series that has any, uh, I don't know, like, that it, that it thinks anything else of itself, that, like, it is about anything beyond these two and how they are, like, like it really centres the world around them and like the stories specifically around them, and like it's not one of those things where people are like, "Oh, there are so many more stories to be told in this universe I, like, I mean oh, they're, they're
2: that, I mean the t v show might they say that might try and do that, but yeah like, um that can that can be all kinds of weird shit, but I think Ish's like the story of ish is like one of the my favorite parts of the
1: whole
0: yeah, yeah. okay, um. No, I, I agree with you. I like the story of Ish. I wasn't sure if we wanted to spend a lot of time on it, but... Um, well, I mean, I think it's
1: it's worth, like, kind of describing as we go through, yeah. because, like, it does kind of play into the things that are happening with uh, these two pairs, and, like, what does, like, you know, like you said, like, when you have more people in your group, does that, right, lead to, like, right. more danger, more, like, poss- possibilities for something to go wrong? Um, and, you know, if it does what, does, what does it all look like in the end? Because... It is one of the, in spite of like the way that the story is gonna go, it is on. It is honestly like one of the more hopeful things by the end because it like despite everything that's going to happen, uh, the final note is gonna say something along with, like I believe too much in humanity to just you know let this destroy me and like me and this, the rest of this group that were are still here. We're gonna you know keep going and find somewhere else to be. But um, yeah. Let's 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 start the boat.
0: I wonder if I missed that note then, and maybe that's why I came away from it feeling a little bit different um but uh it starts off with like ish as a boat captain uh you get the impression that they were out at sea or had gone out to sea when the infection began or, or when it started running around uh they're now out of supplies and so ish comes back ashore we find their first note uh on this uh run ashore boat uh basically saying like i'm going to head in for supplies see what i can figure out um as we keep moving through the area, we find, like, a big sewer grate that we get into, and we start moving through the sewer system, um, where... <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was, I was looking through some of these notes again. Uh, we, we do, like, some, some water puzzles and stuff, essentially. Um, mm. God, I forgot that we have not really talked about how this Eliana palette thing is really becoming a whole thing, and, like, the mm. game is kind of nodding and winking at it a little bit um because as as we discovered sam and henry have the same dynamic of uh sam does not know how to swim and uh as as we do the whole puzzle where we have to raise or or we have to power on a lift and all that kind of stuff uh to get everybody across this flooded area um They Henry makes a comment about how good Joel and Ellie have become at doing this whole, like, put Ellie on a pallet and move her over and have her go activate something and all that. And she's like, yeah, we're basically professionals at this point. And I'm like, man, they know. They know what they're doing with these segments. They they know how often they're doing these. And part of me is like, oh, that's always funny and stuff like that. But I'm always like, oh, you're getting a little too cute with it. You're getting a little too on the nose with it um but in that section we also find um more notes uh about ish ish has found a family that he trades with uh decides to hole up in the sewers with them we do find a room that has clickers in it um which has another note from ish um that that says that stuff but as we head further into the sewers we start to kind of see the the community that has been built up uh you i the sense that's given is that you know they hole up in the sewers and more and more people continue to join and there's almost kind of a um like a society that's that's living in these sewers at this Mm. point where they have they have beds and they have like little personal areas with shelves that they put their stuff on and um as we get split up and and I, i do think it's interesting that we get split up to where uh, Henry and Ellie are kind of running away from these infected, on one side, while uh, Joel and Sam are on the other, and so we have you know
1: different different kids that we're looking after. <laughs> um, and and it go- also is an interesting thing. that Like Sam does not have any of like the abilities that Ellie does. Like he doesn't throw shit. Right, he doesn't have yeah. the knife. He doesn't shoot anybody. He runs you know, and hides a lot. Yeah. yeah, and plays into the fact that like Henry has been like deliberately kind of just like. Shielding sheltering. Sam from that, and suddenly it like becomes something that we have to reckon with. That like there is like this uh, asset in terms of combat that we don't we suddenly don't have. Right, which sucked because this area has a bunch of stalkers in it, yep.
0: and it was a it was a darn nightmare to deal with some of that. Like we, we get the shorty in this section as well, which is like a handgun shotgun, <laughs> um, and God bless the shorty in this section. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> Um, this, this thing, I foresee this becoming an MVP for me because mm-hmm. as much as I like the, the regular shotgun as well, um, I felt like once once I had the shorty, I could rotate that out of my long gun holsters mm-hmm. and start to run like hunting rifle uh, bow and arrow in those holsters and have like handgun shorty in the other one. And once you start upgrading that shorty and putting, like, more capacity in it and stuff like that, faster reload, oh my god, it's just, it's a godsend. That thing is doing work. I love it. Um, But we also have more environmental storytelling because, like, we do find living quarters and stuff like that, but we also find uh, kind of a nursery uh, where children would have been. and. There is a note that explains what went down but even through environmental storytelling i feel like we can deduce that um they were infected uh attacked. attacks uh, i mean so there, there's a note later on that i think explains what really really happened here yeah um which is after we go through this whole section of the sewers where we're just running from all these infected and uh even the final door we get to like uh joel once we meet back up with henry and ellie and uh you know henry and ellie are running from all these infected and we meet up with them and we're continuing this this escape scene and we get to a door that henry and joel have to hold while sam and ellie get it open and we get out (laughs) there's a really comical moment where on the other side um it says don't open infected inside (laughs) and uh they're like great to know this on the other side of the door um but we we get out into a village where there's a note uh left there that that basically describes that like one person had left a door open at some point and infected flooded in and took out the whole place and so we we found all these notes of like people were holed up in in the nursery and stuff and there were kids in there and they had a choice about whether you know how the kids were going to go because it was going to happen and it's it's depressing like it's a really depressing chilling scene this is a like this is Bleak. <laughs> sad god damn
3: yeah
2: it's one of the it's, i feel like it's one of the best like environmental storytelling bits. Right. and also with the notes because i've yeah. had this thing where where I've got to this point of games where I'm sick to death of picking up lore because, like, I'm sure there's people who like stopping to pick pick up lore, but like, uh, I I'm like one of those people who like it has to be rightly paced so that I don't feel like I'm stopping purposely to read shit. Have to like go next. Na- I'm trying to think of like, uh, I think back to there was this, this, there's another game, Horizon Zero Dawn, like there's this area when you drop into this room, and there are like so many audio logs. And you got to listen to every mm-hmm. audio log, or you, or you keep moving. And actually, the audio log is you can listen to it while you're still walking around. But while you're still listening to this, goes on for about three minutes. You will have picked up another audio log, and like mm-hmm. that means you do not leave the room, or you just fucking skip the thing. Because I'm like, it needs to be like right the pace that you have not slowed to a crawl just to read up or listen to all these things. So, right. and I feel like the Last of Us did it in a way that it was well paced out and stretched so that mm-hmm. you've got, you know, from the environment, you've got you got what's happening, you pick up a note, you get a bit more fleshed out, and it kind of picks along at that natural pace, right? Whereas these days, there's just, like, law central.
0: <laughs> hmm. Here's a codex entry, here's a second screen app that you can look at, like, yeah.
1: And I think that, and I think that does, like, it depends largely on the setting of the game in question as to whether or not, like, I guess how dense those things have to get, because, like, short of you know there's an infection the last of us world is not any different from ours like we don't have to like constantly have like things recontextualized and made for us to understand them like in the way that horizon zero dawn which does have a very uh different universe than we live in but um yeah like i, I think there's like a level of like like conciseness to a lot of the, note, the notes and when they are you know brought in with the actual environmental storytelling they do even if it as is as unsettled as like writing they did not suffer on the ground um just like it, it works in a way that I think it uh, never makes it feel like it's a chore to like kind of like go out your way looking for because like the game will take you to the places that you need to go and it'll make sure that you have the context to understand these things as we uh, come across them. But um, it did like something you know it comes into what is kind of like the larger theme the Pittsburgh section is like uh, the whole s- sort of like society that Ish had kind of like cultivated. Uh, their living spaces were very, very concentrated on like taking care of children. Like the entrance uh-huh. we come into, it like has like a painting, like a castle, like to be like, oh, well, you're all coming into this, uh, you know, this, this very special place. And like there was a nursery, there was a playroom, there was a classroom. So like, you can maybe like maybe infer that maybe it was like even a kid that probably left the door open. And like you know, there's a, you know, I, there are like a bunch of different reads to take on. It. I think ultimately. When we get to the end of this section, it's going to maybe like raise a specific point that we're gonna have to like carry with us the rest of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it just like felt very that felt very calculated. That like it was like we go into this whole section talking about like what it means to be a child in this universe and how children are like seen as kind of like a a liability by like the hunters. And yeah, it's just that particular thread is very strong in this whole section.
0: And it it at least ends, hopefully, right? You know, ish. Yeah, the final note is is that
1: like I don't
2: remember it. I I remember it more. It just affirmed Joel's world bleak worldview because there's a bit where he picks up another note and then he when he finished reading it, he kind of just very dismissively just goes, "Well, didn't didn't turn out
1: real great, did it?" That was actually. Uh, there were there are two notes that we actually find in this neighborhood one was that one which was from the first family Mm -hmm. that Ish found um Mm -hmm. and then so like that family was like you know we're gonna trust him we're gonna go see what he has to say um and then that's when Joel says that but then there's this very 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 last note that you find kind of like I think in one of like the last buildings of this sort of like section um it's it's the one that tells
0: you yeah it's it's the one that tells you how this all happened like how the door got left open and all that right
1: and, but then he leaves on the note of, like, he's, like, a woman and, like, a couple of the kids are still there. Um, and he's like, but I'm not going to let this break me. I still have too much belief in humanity that, you know, as a community, we can do better together than me holding up on my boat for however long he was there. Um, so, it, I, like, there are a lot of different takeaways that I think different characters are taking. And I think Joel, you know, like it does, like you said, it does kind of reaffirm some things, but I think... Well, let's we'll put a pin I, on that until we
0: get to the it, final scene of this. I think, yeah, and we'll, we'll get to the final scene. I think that is what solidified this thought for me. But, like, I think this section as a whole Pittsburgh is about Joel starting to reconsider a lot of his stances on things. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we had the gun scene where it's like, okay, Joel, it's not your daughter. Like, you got to stop treating Ellie like she's either cargo or like she's too precious to you know you right. can't treat her the way that henry treats sam you've got to be able to trust her in some way because she's not just someone that you're looking after you're not just her guardian and her protector she is also going to be working with you i feel like that moment where she jumps down from the barricade and says like we're in this together like that was mm-hmm. the moment that sealed it for me personally was like okay this is like she's she's not just here to get like you know, protection on the way. She could have stayed with Sam and Henry if she wanted that. Like she is in it right. with Joel, and right. um, but it's it's also like the Ish story. The way it ends just made me feel like, you, you know, it is bad, and it could end bad again. It could end in Ish dying. It could end in everyone around Ish dying, which is in some cases worse. <laughs> and like, but as you know there's there's something that ellie says at the end that i think really drives it home but it's this idea that maybe the potential of losing all that's like the pain the potential pain of losing everyone is it's still worth it to have them around for the time that right. you do and yeah we'll put a pin in that <laughs> um, we do have this town to get through we have a lot of time to just kind of walk through the area there's a lot of um ambient stuff that you get into where the the kids play darts and they kind of talk about the old world there's like ice cream trucks and barbecues and stuff like that there are two dogs kind of playing around that um you know joel makes mention that these are wild dogs they did not do anything i just like walked near them and they ran off but um i thought that was that was neat That was a nice touch and then there's a sniper (laughs) we got to deal with a sniper at the end of town um we go through this whole section where we have to fight our way through these houses. Uh, I definitely got clipped a couple times by the mm. sniper. That um, took another few goes. And there are goes. also dudes in the houses. What were you saying, Alex? This
2: one definitely took another few goes. The sniper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is that part was interesting, and I thought it was kind of neat, like the way that you have to kind of run through the houses and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's this next part this next gameplay part so you get all the way to the sniper you kill the sniper uh in this little segment where he tries to pull a knife on you and you're like no 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 and turn it back on him and kill (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and then you pick up this like bipod sniper rifle like it's you know it's it's a big heavy duty fella uh and you're covering sam henry and ellie as they as they work their way down the street because as you soon realize like there are dudes flooding in behind them and so you're it's essentially a turret sequence slash sniper sequence like you're just kind of taking dudes out um if any of them get too close to the group uh they'll initiate a charge and if they get into the group then they'll kill someone i imagine maybe there's other characters they can kill but in in mine the one game over i got they just killed ellie yeah, um. Uh. So you're you're just kind of shooting a bunch of dudes, um, and the truck even shows up, and there's a really silly part where you have to shoot this dude that keeps popping up to throw Molotov cocktails out of it. Uh, so he drops the Molotov cocktail and it goes into the truck and the truck crashes, and then after that, a bunch of infected show up and you're shooting the infected as they're charging. This is a really long sequence with instant game overs and even though i only got one instant game over i did not like this sequence at all <laughs> i was initially like oh this is kind of neat i kind of i'm kind of enjoying this and then like five minutes later i'm like when the hell is this going to end oh my god i have killed more people than i thought previously existed in the city of pittsburgh <laughs> like oh uh, i don't know i felt the way about it um alan you going to say something i think
2: when you're in the moment it's like tense but then you do kind of think well because it's also because you have this sniper rifle with infinite ammo and mm-hmm. and and just an infinite amount of hunters obviously it's like you've cleared out you've basically cleared out a whole village and then there's the infected that come in so that's when the it's these moments when you know the Uh, what's the word the suspension of disbelief kind of like you really have to (laughs) stretch it a bit
0: yeah that was the part where i kind of groaned because i was like at that point you have killed so many hunters and the truck and everything and i'm like cool okay sequence over let's move and then all of a sudden infected start showing even joel's like oh shit and i'm like yeah joel i feel you on this one because a where the hell did all these infected come from? B the way they show up isn't even like telegraphed in a way I feel. Like they don't really explain why all these enemies are running at you. It's like they it's like they were like, "Well, shit, Joel shot all the hunters. What are we going to throw at him now? So let's get some infected in this mess." I'm mean,
1: going to think the implication <laughs> is that like the crash of the tank like makes enough noise to like bring a uh, like a horde of them to the area. That was I, I was guess
0: i guess but also like that sniper rifles loud as shit too it's like i i I don't know it's it it was silly to me the segment like that started like i i will agree with alan like it did definitely start out cool and it was neat and it was interesting but by the end of it i was like this is just silly this i'm so out of it at this point where i'm like please let's move on to the next gameplay sequence (laughs) um it was the most ps3 era sequence that we've played thus far i feel I was like, this is not something that you would do even on like an Xbox One or a PS4. I feel like this sort of sequence is so old. It's like when we were playing Mass Effect 3 and we did the turret sequences on mm. on uh on a few different places actually, now that I think about it, but um it, it it's like playing those and you're just like, wow, yeah, they used to put these in every <laughs> video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh there's not a vehicle sequence in this game, is there? <laughs> there's mm, not like a driving yeah, sequence, is there? Yeah. Okay, thank god. <laughs> um is there a hoverboard sequence? Because that'd be sick. <laughs> that would be very D- a different. That would be a different work. kind of future. Naughty <laughs> dog, you've got the tech from Jack 2. You gotta put the hoverboard in this game. <laughs> um that's Last of Us Part Three is Ellie goes on another revenge trip but this time she's got a skateboard and can can do sick tricks <laughs> I would play that game fuck that sounds mm. good um that's it gameplay wise we are now done with gameplay in Pittsburgh we have gamed our last play we do have one last story sequence and I would say it's probably one of the heftiest that we've had so far mm. um You know i feel like there's kind of a rhythm that's being built up here in these these segments so to speak um that each one so far has kind of featured a singular character character and um first it was tess then it was bill and now it's sam and henry and it builds up you know these themes over the course of it and then eventually you get to the end and there's one big last cut scene that's kind of the Mm. send off for this character that both serves as a reason for why this character is not continuing with Joel and Ellie on their their journey but also feels like kind of a thematic conclusion Mm. to their arc um always results in death too there's always somebody dies in every single one of them um that is true yeah even technically bills uh so um time is is not linear (laughs) but uh in in this specific one and it's weird because it feels like it fakes you out a little bit too like oh you're at the state the radio station everything's chill like they're just hanging out and they're talking and um henry is is cooking some dinner and he's talking with joel about how joel and his brother tommy uh, in case you forgot that Tommy was around, it's important that we probably remind you that Tommy exists because, hey, he might be showing up soon. But um, uh, Joel and Tommy, for one of Tommy's birthdays, they rented some Harleys and took them cross country. And at this point, I'm getting a little alarmed because this really does sound like my dad. Because <laughs> 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 my dad has literally done, not with a Harley, but he has he gone on multiple cross country road trips on a motorcycle. So, um this is getting a little alarming for me. But uh yeah, you know they're 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 just hanging out, they're talking, they're having a good time. Uh Ellie takes a moment to go talk to Sam cuz cuz she's like, "Oh, you you olds, you you <laughs> dinosaurs. I'm going to go hang out with the youth who are going to to, to outlast you all with our young blood." <laughs> and she goes in the other room and Sam is just having a depressive episode of of epic proportions. Uh he's he's sitting there kind of taking stock of the inventory that they have of all the food they've got and um you know Ellie's like kind of trying to joke with him, you know like hey, you know what you doing? How many canned peaches we got, huh? and Sam just gets all kinds of in his feelings where he's like, you know, what are you afraid of? I just feel like I'm a burden to everyone and I'm afraid of those creatures out there. And, and Ellie uh, Ellie thinks on it for a bit and says that she's scared of ending up alone, just scared all the time. Um, and, and, you know, she asks Sam what's up, and he says he's afraid that the people who are infected are, like, still in there and, and just don't have any control over their bodies, but they're still, like, cognizant, aware, like, of what's mm. going on and that's kind of where the flag gets raised a little bit like Mm -hmm. hey something something seems up and then you know also like i I should mention that sam kind of gets a little angry at ellie like kind of snaps at ellie at first is like oh did henry send you to come Mm -hmm. check on me or whatever like he's already going through some stuff internally and then as ellie decides she's going to go up and just turn in for the night um she she hands him the robot you know she grabbed the robot as they were leaving the toy store uh the one that henry said sam cannot take and then sam after ellie leaves sam kind of dumps on the floor and and pulls up his jeans to reveal dun 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 a bite mark
1: Mm. he's been bit um which they did there was also there was one other point that was made um oh yes where Sam asks about, like, or, like, apparently Henry tells Sam that people that die or that are infected, they're they're seeing, they see their families, and, like, talking about heaven, and he just asks, like, Ellie, do you believe in heaven? And then she's like, I go back and forth, but I don't think so. Um, Uh just Ellie, like, meaning so well, like, trying Mm -hmm. to be, like, so supportive. Like, there's a point where she's like, we're all a team now, we're gonna have each other's backs, you don't have to worry Uh about any of this. And then tries to, you know, comfort him in all these ways, like, not realizing that what he knows and what has happened. And mm-hmm. maybe if she knew that, she might have said at least half of those things differently mm-hmm. or, like, something to a different effect.
0: I mean, I I think it is also an interesting scene because we're seeing Ellie, like, you know, attempt to relate to somebody. I mean, this is the first person she's had to talk to that isn't Joel. And right. um, cause it's not like Tess was, was stopping to do chit-chat with her and all that, so and she did not get along with bill but like here's somebody her own age who she's been getting Mm -hmm. along with who she's been playing darts with and stuff like that like hey these two can enjoy life around each other um which is important and then uh, we wake up in the morning with a general sense of foreboding uh you know ellie's like oh is sam not up yet and henry's like i'm letting him sleep in you can go wake him if you want of course like at this point all alarms are blaring in everyone's head who is playing this game like here it comes we all know what's coming and and uh ellie opens the door of the other room and sees sam standing there you know kind of doing the little infected shuffle and he starts attacking ellie Uh, like really attacking Ellie he is he has turned he has turned already and um, as Joel grabs his gun to to shoot uh, Sam Henry shoots at him not not like doesn't shoot him but shoots in his direction is like that's my brother and there's like a kind of a tense standoff happening and then Joel kind of resolves to be like okay screw it I'm going for my gun like shoot me If you're going to I guess but I'm going to try and stop Ellie from getting mauled to death and we hear another shot and it pans over reveals that Henry has shot Sam and Henry is obviously having trouble with this like parsing what's happened he turns the gun back on Joel Joel's like hey calm down take it easy and then uh, all of a sudden Henry turns the gun on himself and it cuts to black right as we hear the the boom and everything and then uh and then it cuts to fall and we are on to the next area um so this one this one was jarring i knew i i knew going into this that there's a i knew that something happened to the brothers i couldn't remember what it was but i knew that something happened to the brothers that was like the reason why they don't continue on with joel and ellie um did not remember it was this or the the specifics of how it played out um but the way the the thing that surprised me the most here was the way it just immediately cuts to black and heads into the next section there's very little time left for any sort of resolution or carryover between um going from tess to bill's town we kind of have a moment of decompression i guess where where the characters have a moment to kind of process before it goes into the next area uh between billstown and pittsburgh there's them driving in the car but between mm-hmm. here and fall um i'm assuming once like there is probably like kind of a slower intro to to the fall section mm-hmm. but the immediate title card slam is i feel like a very deliberate choice to be like that's it that's that's the end that's the end of the story and choosing to end it like that immediately really stuck out to me but um ken how did you feel about this whole resolution to pittsburgh
1: uh so with this particular uh, section i feel like we get a lot of perspectives on like not not like i mean they do it is specifically centered on like what it means to have children around in the apocalypse but it also like there is a sense of like what does it mean to have, like, any sort of companionship of any kind? Because mm-hmm. something that, like, kind of like an equivalent scene that would have happened in the game would have been, like, when Joel lost Sarah. Like, mm-hmm. why, like, it's yeah. surprising that Joel even, you know, recovered from recovered from that, like, was even able to keep going on. But then you think, he still had Tommy. He still had somebody with him. Like, that companionship was there, as we will learn and discuss at, at length next week. Um... It was rife with its own drama and things that happened, but there's still like, I think that the the difference that is kind of like being uh, punctuated here is that Henry just lost everything all at once, Mm -hmm. and despite despite the shit that Bill says about like how you know it's easier to get get along in this world if you don't have to worry about anybody, when you are a person that is not uh, completely distanced yourself from others and like is content in that uh, way. The loss of a person in a world where like you might only have one person that you really care about and like uh that gives you that reason to keep going the loss of them is going to be you know like the ultimate loss that you can experience and so from that perspective like i i don't know like it's it's hard to, like this i guess like sort of like my overarching feelings about how the last of us as a franchise handles that is kind of impossible to talk about at this point but i it's it like the most tragic like worst case scenario for like them trying to like leave the section on that thesis that like companionship is like the difference between c- can be the difference between life or death in either direction
0: alan how would you feel about this conclusion
2: heavy i'd say it's just
3: mm-hmm.
2: mm. yeah it's just it's just so abrupt it's so bleak well uh, i I guess because I also took that I took the very bleak view of how Isha's story turned out in the end and then here's another here's another kind of like what felt like a hopeful look at like another pair of survivors and then it all turning for shit for them and it's kind of just that running theme in the post apocalypse where nothing like well same with Tet or Vasera, like nothing kinda ever ends well <laughs> even when you think mm-hmm. you kinda it's another there's another bit of light um you get a bit of light only for it to get snuffed out again. Mm. So it does leave it just in very heavy. I mean I I guess most people would carry on playing to the next scene now, but if you ended that like if it was like an episode of a Tv te- of a show and they just ended and that was it, it was like it just leaves you thinking. You can have a sit doing that for a long while before you can kind of get up again.
1: Right. Yeah, I would not be surprised if the HBO series, whatever episode, Sam and Henry and it comes off then and, like, there's nothing. Right. Like, that's, that's when the credits start. Oh,
0: I mean, yeah, it's... I mean, shoot, like, The Sopranos and stuff does stuff like that. I mean, Breaking Bad does stuff like that. Like, this is this is something that feels very TV, that feels very, like, cinema. Um mm. And I think the thing that I'm kind of trying to to think about, like, what what the overall themes are of The Last of Us. I think also I've been trying to think more about it in terms of, you know, me personally, I'm not a huge fan of zombie fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been trying to work through my way about why I feel like that, because, you know, The Walking Dead, the video game, the first season, um, you know, resonated with me and in a way that not a lot of other stuff has you know i've i've played some of the you know i've played like dead island and state of decay and stuff like that but um very few zombie games i feel like managed to resonate with me because i feel like they all kind of end up circling around the same story beats of oh you know who's the real monster us or them you know it's like there's there's zombies out there but humans are bad too and it, and I also feel like every character beat or, or like a character can only develop if another character dies or, you know, I feel like there are a lot of problems with that. I would, I, And I would even levy some of this at The Last of Us that I feel like a lot of these sections end in death and it's hard to avoid the feeling that um, the best way it has of displaying drama and of displaying characters... Um, having to come face to face with their own fears with their own um, the things they're scared of as as Ellie talks about um, is is by having people die Um, Mm. and also that you know like infection becomes an easy way of creating that sort of drama where it's like oh someone's infected so now you got to kill them but you love them but you got to kill them and but I, th- I think the way that The Last of Us gets around that and still turns this into a really compelling moment, even if you've seen... The, like, I've seen a billion zombie movies. Like, this specific story beat is not unique. Like, the idea that right. somebody you love has been bitten and now you have to shoot them. Like, that's... It's in every zombie fiction. But the reason why this one works, I think, is because we've had these characters together and we've not just seen the way that they care about each other, but we've seen the ways in which their care has been detrimental like this has not necessarily Mm. been like oh yeah i I think a pretty common one is like oh you know it's they're in love and in this one person loves another but oh they're turning into a zombie and that's so terrible and they're how how will they ever move on but like we've seen how henry's love for sam has resulted in things that have given sam like major insecurities about himself Mm. and um And we've seen the way that sam has struggled to have a childhood and and yet we've seen henry grow in just a short time and allowing sam these little frivolities these moments of having fun like even the way he jokes and he's like oh 14 huh (laughs) like that's it's it's such a nice moment and it's you know i'm and i'm still formulating how i feel about all this and i imagine that you know if we're if we're going to be talking to Tommy in this next episode then I'm going to have even more to say about this moving forward mm-hmm. but i think the thing that the last of us is doing that i really enjoy is that it's portraying how important human life is and not mm-hmm. just human like like people being alive but people being alive together and right. how that's worth fighting for even despite the fact that it will probably end terribly because really like you know I feel like it's implied very much that like all these characters have low survival rates naturally, you know, even if there's not infected around, there's not enough supplies. There's not enough, you know, food, ammo, whatever you need to get around. And there's, there's the, the population's growing and the scarcity is growing too. And I'm interested to see how it continues to deal with that, how it continues to Mm -hmm. deal with the idea that like, life is precious and being around each other is precious and right uh, i i I hope to see that expand more
1: and i I think that's something to be said about like you know it is about how life you like you say life is precious but i think there's also like something to be said about like how life in and of itself is not necessarily what it is is that connection and like it is about specific Mm. people's lives and like a life
0: a life with meaning and and meaning meant towards each other yeah like sometimes
2: that meaning is just having someone else there i guess it's like that mm-hmm. bit where ish right. writes like you know what's the point of surviving if there's no one to laugh at your my lame joke exactly it's like a, it's a very trivial thing but it, that is actually like very profound in that sense that what mm-hmm. is the point if it isn't anyone else i mean i guess delve survives he he's got that mentality he could just go on but
0: i yeah i mean that's to circle back around to ish i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like Ish goes through so much suffering. Like Ish had been out at sea, like everything was going fine on the boat. Like no cordyceps are gonna get you on the boat. And like Ish comes to shore and goes through this huge moment of like, oh, you're you're building a society. Like people are happy together. Like there's a sense that there was some joy here. And then it all comes tumbling down in the worst way. And and what had to be like, you know really realistically like minutes but the most horrifying minutes of anyone's life and then they're left with the choice of either like ish could totally just find another boat and go back out to sea and live that way instead Ish just is like i want to keep living because that moment was worth it and they don't want to be alive if they can't have those moments it's that that life out on the sea was not the one worth living the one that was worth living and even worth dying for is the one that was on the shore so yeah i imagine we'll be discussing this all the way through last of us part two as well (laughs) um but but it's um but it's interesting and i i i know i say this every week that this game continues to surprise me as far as like what my previous notions were of it compared Mm -hmm. to now but um yeah there's a lot more to it than just being another zombie game Uh, Another grim, dark zombie game. Uh, As always, uh, we are FM. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash NormandyFM, where you can go visit us, you can go support us, you can go back us. Uh, Any amount will get you into the Discord where you can hang out and send us messages and talk about every latest episode. Uh, If you back at a $5 tier, you will get the episodes early. And if you back at a higher tier, you will get your name shout out every week. This week, that list is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just zach mickle the wedge of destiny bela Hyde, zach james and kevin Hux. thank you all so much for contributing uh before we get going alan tell the folks again where they can find your work and where the best place to follow it would be
2: okay um well my work is and lots of different outlets so yeah if you have print there is a magazine called Wireframe um, there is also Edge, Official PlayStation Magazine Retro Gamer, Online, um, you'll probably find me in places like Eurogamer, BG 24-7, NME Stuff uh, The Six Axis and Rock Paper Shotgun and basically a few other places I, you know, like, like any freelancer I still try and pitch the new places but uh but Mm -hmm. otherwise you will find me bitching about stuff on twitter uh my (laughs) handle is the misanthrope
0: the misanthrope uh thank you so much for coming on alan it was great having you on to talk about the last of us and all this uh really glad we got you on here it's been cool everyone we will reconvene next week I mean Ken do we want to shout it out just real quick we didn't do a bio bits or anything but this week they confirmed that photo mode is in legendary edition yep, and I'm like beyond excited for that boyfriend. yeah yeah I mean Alan are, I, we're doing last of us so we didn't really bring it up are you a mass effect fan as well
2: I've actually never played mass effect and I was gonna think the legendary edition would be to the find finally the, finally the point when I'll actually start um it's just a whether case of whether or not I'll have time to 'cause right. I'm not I'm not reviewing it, so when right. I when I don't review stuff it's whether or not I can find the time to squeeze it in. <laughs> so um mm. we'll see.
3: Um
0: I don't think it's a terribly long series. I mean I think fifty hours is what I would about ballpark it at would be a decent runtime for all three put together.
1: Yeah. Yeah i mean
0: no that's me Plus thinking about like 10 hours for mass effect 1 if you're just running the storyline um 20 hours for mass effect 2 20 hours for mass effect 3 that seems ballparkish right maybe maybe closer to 60 no. i i can't imagine it's in like 80 though i don't i don't i don't even think it's as long as like persona 5 personally like it's it's not in that
2: realm. Yeah, well, I I mostly play JRPGs. That's where my ballpark is, <laughs> which is also ah, why it's okay. hard to fit time for other things. So of
0: course, of yeah. course. Well, But month is, li- is looking a
2: little next is looking a little sparse, though. So we'll see. But then there's still a back. I still have a backlog of stuff to get through as well. Oh yeah, like everyone else. You know, the
0: backlog never ends. I've got Ken over here throwing games at me. Go play this webcam game. Go cry. You'll enjoy it. Like, mm. Worth it. Can't... I know. I know. That game's like 90 minutes long. I, I've i already bought and downloaded it. I just need to play it. Bet. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, Ken and I are both very excited for photo mode to take all the good pictures. Our thumbnail game, uh, when we do our Legendary Edition podcast, will be stepped <laughs> up so much. It's going to be great. But... Until next time, we'll be talking about the fall section of The Last of Us. We will see you then on Normandy FM.